miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But eagerly desire the greater gifts. You may be seated. Well, the preacher's up here early today. We're going to get an early lunch. Nah. I do want to welcome you here this morning, as particularly welcome those in our church family who uh, are not away at Mount Kidd uh, and those who uh, have come to visit with us. Welcome here this morning. We're glad to have you with us. Question for you. Did you feel the majesty this morning? Do you feel the majesty of God in your life? Do you recognize that by his spirit he is here and his majesty is in this place? Or are we so busy that we lose sight of what God is doing in our midst? I want to thank you for uh, praying for me while we were on holidays. I have good news about my physical being. My back doesn't hurt anymore. I was able to play golf and do many activities. I do have some side effects from my sciatic issue. My leg is numb, but it still works fine. It just feels a little awkward when I bump into something. But God is good, and he has been, he has been wonderful to me. And so I rejoice and I thank you because I know many of you spent time in prayer uh, actually asking God to be present, and he has. We had a great summer, my wife and I. We went off to smoky B.C. And I have to tell you, it was smoky. We were in the cusp where we go every summer. We have a trailer that we park there permanently, and we go and spend a lot of times in the summer there. And it was so smoky that when my wife and I would go for a walk, if she got ahead of me from here to the organ, she would disappear into smoke. Like she would just, whoo, she'd be gone. Where are you? But that wasn't all of it. I actually tried to golf in that kind of weather. And I'd go out with some of my senior friends in the cusp, and we would we'd golf. But I, re I realized I needed to take a lot of golf balls with me because we would hit it, and within 20 yards, it would just disappear into the smoke. No idea where it landed. So we had a rule that when we figured we thought approximately where it might have landed, we had 30 seconds to look around. If we didn't find it, we'd drop a new ball, but no stroke. Best score I ever had in golf. I really didn't look very hard unless it was right in the center of the fairway. We had a wonderful time. We spent a lot of time indoors uh, because of the smoke. We spent, my wife and I spent a lot of time on our trailer, and it was a wonderful time for us. 
we had some good quality discussions together, and we just enjoyed the summer, even though it wasn't the way we had planned it. It was a time for me of contemplation and reflection. I was, uh, I was thinking about uh, uh, Ryan joining us, Pastor Ryan and his family joining our staff team, and what that would mean, and, 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 and his transition. I was, I was seek, thinking and seeking and contemplating uh, for clarity of mind in what this next year would look like for our church, and in particular for me. I was deciding between two books that I'd been reading over the last little while, which one of them I would like to have a discussion group on, whether it would be the book of First and Second Corinthians or the book of Revelation. A friend of mine in the cusp, a Christian friend of mine, said, boy, you really like to take on the difficult books, don't you? And I said, no, they're God's word. And there's a lot we can learn. Are we kind of echoing here, or is it just me? I'm okay? Am I too far ahead? Poor Ross up there. By the way, congratulations to Mr. and Mrs. Arnold. Amen. I gave Selena a hug this morning and she said, whew, it's all over. But welcome back and we're so happy for you. Well, your bulletin will clearly identify for you which book I chose. So I would encourage those who would like to sit with me. This is not going to be Pastor Gary telling you what the book of Reverence says and try to sort out all of the theology that is mixed up. It's just a time of discussion, and it will be centered around the thought, what does this book of eschatology have to do with my daily life today? What do the words of this book want me to learn about being a Christian in today's age? Yes, we will get into some of those dicey topics and we'll have fun with them. But my goal and my ambition is for us to join together and look at God's Word. So I invite you, Monday nights, 6, 6.30 to about 8 o'clock, one of the people who said they'd like to come and said, are you going to have coffee? Yes, we'll have coffee. Because I don't want you falling asleep. So we'll have Starbucks coffee. You could never fall asleep with Starbucks coffee. I also found myself thinking about church. Thinking about our church. Recognizing that God is active within our midst. That he is active and moving within our church family. That his Holy Spirit is trying to capture us and lead us to places that we may never have been before. While in that mode this summer, two things happened that really jarred me that really put me in correction mode. I was kind of drifting. Well, attending a small church there, there's a little church every summer we attend, it's called Saddleback. No, not that Saddleback. It's a little church of about 30 people. And they have a wonderful pastor, and he delivered a message on, he entitled, Two Bobs. 
And I said, well, that's a kind of a neat title. What's this all about? He spoke about Bobby Orr, that great hockey player, and Bob the Builder. And uh, I, was, I, I wasn't paying any attention much to his message, kind of like some folks here from time to time. But I was focusing on Bobby Orr and Bob the Builder. I had this image of Bobby Orr because I, I played hockey when there were only six teams of hockey in the National Hockey League, and I, as, I was actually a fairly gifted hockey player. I actually played for the Detroit Red Wings farm team as a teenager. And Bobby Orr came along, and he was just a little guy. Bobby Orr wasn't one of these big, burly, husky defensemen. He was kind of average. And he had two bad knees. But Bobby Orr is the only defenseman in the National Hockey League, even today, that won the national scoring title two years in a row. And I thought, wow, that guy really knew how to perform. He really was focused, even in spite of his bad knees. He was able to give everything he had as a defenseman in hockey. And then there's Bob the Builder, the animated character that teaches children how to build things. And I thought, I had the picture of him in my mind, you know, this little yellow-headed guy that just kind of told everybody, I'm learning how to be Josh. I couldn't find a t-shirt, Bob the Builder t-shirt. I actually went on the internet to try and find one just to show off Ross. Didn't do it. But it was during that time that I was also going through the book of Revelation and the sec first and second Corinthians. And the second thing that happened to me was our elder meeting last week. I came home for orientation with Ryan and some staff meetings, and, and then we had our, our kind of opening elders meeting as we prepared ourselves to get back into gear in a new ministry year. And I need to put some context of what uh, this particular moment happened for me. When Ryan now joined the staff, and Maria and Tina are really engulfed in doing wonderful ministry, and things are growing in that area, I began to find myself being captured by the thought, now I can just coast. I can just back off a little bit. And I can just coast. And just be that coasting lead pastor. And I was actually starting to get excited about that. Wow. No more six or seven day weeks. This is going to be so cool. I'm just going to sit back and drink coffee and encourage the staff. But then elder meeting came along. And I was in that mode. I found myself drifting to that thought. And it began to captivate me. And then our moderator shared a devotion. Oh, Etchell, I hate you. He shared a devotion, and that devotion surrounded that God does not want coasters. It is not time to coast. 
It is not time to just kind of relax. And as I began to put those things together while I was reading First and Second Corinthians, I really felt a lightning bolt kind of struck me. I was reminded about Revelation chapters 12 to 14. And so I've entitled my thoughts this morning, Consumer or Producer? Paul, in his writing, in all of the books that he writes, always begins his writings with words of encouragement, words of, of joy and remembrance of the church that he founded in one of his missionary journeys. And he was always so encouraging. Often he would just begin his messages or his writings with peace and grace to you. I always remember you thinking of you, praising God about you. And he starts the book of Revelation in the same way, or book of First Corinthians in the same way. He, he begins by thanking the church at Corinth. And then he spends 11 chapters in that book reminding the church at Corinth exactly what God's plan was for them. And his style was warm. Grace and peace to you, he would say. I thank my God always concerning you that in everything you will be enriched in him. And he begins to just remind them for 11 chapters of exactly what he had begun to ta teach them and how they had grown in the gospel and the understanding of Christ. He, he felt a strong need in this return to help them, to encourage them, but also to recognize that the Corinthian church had become dysfunctional. Notice verse 11, or chapter 11, verse 17. And Paul makes a transition now from encouraging the church. He, he puts a transitional sentence in for where he's going to go with his next words. And here it is, chapter 11, verse 17. But in giving you this instruction, the first 11 chapters, I do not praise you because you come together not for better, but for the worse. Wow. He makes a real transition here. But in giving you these instructions, I do not praise you because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. He goes on to say, for in the first place, when you come together as a church, I am troubled by what I hear. That's my paraphrase. When you come together as a church, I am troubled by what I hear. He pointed out the church, to the church at Corinth, that they had made a transition and started to become a dysfunctional church. And he uses a unique way of bringing that to our, to our attention. Chapters 12, 13, and 14 deal with the gifts of the church. Love is, deal with it. But when you gather together what Paul is trying to say, we recognize that the church had become dysfunctional. And then he pointed out what he really wanted the church to become. And so I have to ask myself as pastor, are we caught up in this same dysfunction in modern day world? 
And are we being what God really wants us to do? And I, my first point is, and, and let, us, let us just pause here for a moment of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we recognize, Holy Spirit, that this is the word that you have built into the hearts of man who penned it. And it is a word that lasts forever from the beginning to the end. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would allow us to understand the complexity yet the joy that we find in deciphering your word. So, Holy Spirit, you be the teacher. Let us just listen and allow you to speak to our hearts, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Paul began this in chapter 12 and pointed out that the dysfunctional church had become involved or engulfed in a consumer mindset. The church had become engulfed in a consumer mindset. A reflection of chapter 12 might well suggest that the gifts that God had anointed upon the folks in the Corinthian congregation, they had somehow gravitated the gifts and talents to a scale of importance. They began to, to kind of see the importance and, and began to level off. My gift in this body is more valuable than your gift. They inappropriately began to characterize the gifts and talents and passions that God give, had given them within some degree of importance. I thought about that a lot. You see, a consumer mindset within a church will create what I call a silo church. A consumer mindset within any church will create a, a silo mindset. What is a silo church? It is when like-minded folks through gifts, talents, culture, or, or like passions begin to gather believing they may be more valuable than others. And so they, they're in this kind of silo-communer mindset. It is clear that Paul wants the church to recognize that that kind of mindset is dysfunctional. That the gifts and talents that God bestows upon a congregation is just exactly that. A silo mindset causes people to lay back and become consumers looking and waiting and hoping to receive something so that they can become part of that silo. It causes people in the church to sit back and say, I'm not good enough. I just need to sit here and consume, asking God to give me something that will make me different, that will allow me to be a bigger part of what this church is. Paul said, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit, and there are a variety of ministries, and the same Lord. There are a variety of effects, but the same God who works all things in all peoples. But to each one of is the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. You see, a consumer-minded church, a consumer-minded person, doesn't recognize that God has gifted them, has given them talents, has given them passions 
they just keep consuming and consuming and consuming, trying to find out what that is. Looking, wanting, desiring. And so they just continue to come and consume. Looking. But we need to realize, as Paul was trying to point out to the church at Corinth, God has gifted you. God has given you talents. God has given you passion. God has given you things in your life. Already. You don't have to keep asking for it. It's there. The question is, are you willing to see it and use it for the glory of God? I was starting to become consumer-minded. I can sit back now. I can just listen to Pastor Ryan and Pastor Zig and Maria and Tina. But God said, no, Pastor Gary. No, I'm not looking for you to be a consumer. I'm not looking for you to sit back and relax. I'm not looking for you to somehow think it's restful time now for me. I still have work for you, Pastor Gary. I still have things for you to do. I still have a plan for you. And I have gifted you to complete that plan. Etchel, you're so bad. But I came away from camp energized like never before again. God has something for me. God has something for you. God has given you gifts and talents and love and all of those things because he wants you to be part of this wonderful body and he wants this body to become what he wants it to become. But if we're in a consumer mindset, we're all kind of sitting back waiting for some sort of lightning bolt to happen in here. Well, the lightning bolt is already here and on its way. Are you connected to it? Or you just want to consume and consume and consume and wait for something. For what? Look inside yourself. Look what God has created. Look, what the, look at yourself and, and see the gift See the love that God has for you. See the power, as we sang this morning, that he wants to apply to your life. He wants you to get up off your butts and start moving, not consuming. We're in a new ministry year. Our staff have planned some really wonderful things. It's exciting to sit in the office and hear them talk about it children's choirs and and these different kinds of things that you will hear more about but as i was contemplating over this passage of scripture in this message i realized i love the staff's energy i love the staff's passion i love their vision but we can't do it without you we can't do it without you they're just dreams in our head but i believe they're dreams that god has planted there and we need to move forward. A consumer mindset. 
A consumer mindset places you in a spiritual neutral position, believing that I don't have what it takes to serve God yet. I need to learn more, consume more teaching, and wait for that lightning bolt. We come each week to church waiting, waiting, waiting. But then when we realize he has already shown up, we develop a new mindset. When we realize that God has gifted us with our talents and our passions and our gifts, a new mindset. Paul illuminates this in 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 30, 31. And he says, and I show you a more excellent way. I show you a more excellent way. He says, this is where I see you, Corinth. But I want to show you something that will bring more joy into your life than what you think you have right now. I show you a more excellent way. I wrote down in my notes, Paul was really saying, let me show you a producer's way. He wanted the church at Corinth to become trans transformed from a mindset of consumerism to a mindset of producing, a production mindset. Let me show you a more excellent way. And the foundation for that is found in chapter 13. The first product of a producer and the producer's mindset is activated by love. I speak to you, if I speak with you in tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as to move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. A mindset of production is activated by love. Love for one another. Love for the church. Love for the call of the church. When I think of Jesus... He shows a producer's mindset. A producer's mindset of love is they love the lost. There's a love for the lost. They, a producer's mind just doesn't just see people. It sees people that may be going to hell. And a loving mindset wants to somehow connect with those people. The more these last few years that I have, that I have recognized that God wants to use me, I often go, would go out looking for something to, looking for a place to be used. But I've come to the place that I want to produce what God wants me to produce. And I just want to join him and let him do the door knocking. Let him set up the divine appointments and stop looking for myself, just seeking every day, what's my divine appointment today, Lord? I just want to connect with you. I want to love the way you love. I want to love the unlovable. 
I want to love the disenfranchised. I want to love those who the church is uncomfortable with, the gay community and all of that world. Jesus loves them. Jesus loves them. And he wants to connect with them. And the more that I open my morning with that thought, I find myself in the strangest place with a divine appointment. Nothing orchestrated by me. It just happened. And I look back after that divine appointment, and I say, God, you are so real. And I feel in my heart that that's what it takes to be a producer. A producer. But Paul goes on to bring some clarity in chapter 14. He says, Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For the one who speaks in tongues does not speak to men, but to God. For no one, no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. But the one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. 1 Corinthians 14, 1-4. You see, we get the word there mixed up. Paul basically says, the greatest gift that I give you is the gift of prophecy. And we kind of think of prophecy like we think of the Old Testament prophets. And when you read the Bible from cover to cover, you'll recognize that that gift of supernatural prophecy only happened to a handful of people. It wasn't the common denominator within the kingdom, within the Jewish nation, within Israel. It happened to a handful of people who God had given a supernatural prophecy. That's not what he's talking about in Corinthians 14. He's talking about prophetic sense in the words of edifying, in other words, of teaching and educating people. That's what prophecy is spoken about here. It's to edify the body. It's to build the body up. It's to build one another up. That's the greatest thing that God gives us. And I say to you this morning, with all my heart and all my knowledge and all my belief, each of you have the gift of prophecy that this is speaking about. The question, are, are you using it? Or are you expecting to be some supernatural thing that God is going to enlighten me? You know what is supernatural? When I sit down with something like I did Chantelle in the golf club in the cusp, in the middle of the smoke, and she was the gal that kind of operated the till and, and looked after selling things and green fees. And she came to me and she sat down with me and I was having a coffee. No one else was there. I was waiting for my senior friends to arrive. And she said, I, one of my friends said that you're, you're a pastor. I said, I am. And she broke out in tears and began to share, me, share with me her story. And at the end of that, after sharing the gospel with her and after assuring you how much God loved her, when I left on, fri on Friday afternoon, and just before I left the clubhouse, 
saying goodbye to my senior friends. She came running up to me and gave me this huge hug. She said, you've changed my life. No, I didn't change her life. God changed her life. He gave me the opportunity to prophesy. He gave me the opportunity to tell God's word to somebody. You don't have to be a seminary student. This book was not written for academics. It was for written for you and me. It was written so you and I could understand it. I love academics. I love to sit on the sidewalks and listen to them argue. But then I go back and I read my Bible and I said, what does this mean? Well, this is what it says. That's what it means. We all have edifying gifts. The question is, will we use them? It's a new ministry year. It's a new ministry year. I'm so grateful for the leaders we have, but I want to say to you, we need more. We need help. We need producers. We need people to step in the gap. Sometimes we just step back and say, man, I'm so exhausted. That's good. I want you to take that time. I want you to kind of get refreshed, but I don't want you to get a consumer's mindset. I want you to recognize that God wants to call you back to be a producer. A producer. I don't care your age. I don't care your color. I don't care your culture. God wants to use each one in this body to be part of the body. The eye just is, the toe is just as important as the eye. And you are just as important as everybody else in this body. Question for you. Will you be a consumer? Or will you be a producer? Because consumption is dysfunctional. That doesn't mean we shouldn't come and learn and enjoy Pastor Gary and Pastor Ryan and Pastor Zig and Jason and all the worship people. I'm not saying don't come anymore for that. But that is there to ignite you, to ignite you to be a producer, to send you out outside of these doors where church really happens, where church really happens is out there. Father in heaven, I thank you for who you are. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are a teacher that you engulf our lives and you encourage us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that we, you would allow our staff and myself and that our congregation and our church family would, would be open to us tapping them on the shoulder and saying, could you come and join us? We need this. Could you come and join us? We need that. I'm asking you this morning, Holy Spirit, to work in the lives of our church family to ignite their heart with an openness, to want to produce. And so lead us, I pray, to that end, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.